Welcome to the Palm Harvest Podcast. We are a community in Costa Mesa, California. To know more about us, visit our website, palmharvest.com. To follow along with today's message, download the Palm Harvest app and click on Sermon Notes. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to Palm Harvest Church. My name is Kirk Bauermeister and I'm an elder here at Palm Harvest. We're thrilled that you chose today to tune in with us, to hear God's word and to worship the Lord with us. I'd like to have a special thank you to Beto and David for all that they do to get us prepared and ready for worship. Thank you for your talents, guys. For those of you that were turning, tuning in today from around the country, I apologize if you were expecting Pastor Mike but he does deserve some time off. Pastor Mike is away on some well-deserved R&R. And if you've tuned in before, you know that Pastor Mike is an avid motorcycle rider. He loves to jump on his bike and to see the country. He especially likes long rides of like a week to 10 days to see the sights and to take in the back roads of this beautiful country. Well, this year Mike is headed to Motorcycle Mecca, Sturgis, South Dakota. In fact, by now, He's already been there and he's on his way back. So please keep Robin and Mike in your prayers, that they have a great time, that they enjoy the sights, that they're safe, and of course they avoid any bears. Today we're continuing on in our series entitled Restore. We know that Jesus loves us and that Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. We know that he gives us what he wants to give us instead of what we truly deserve. Can I get an amen for that? Thank you, Joe. I know it could count on you. Would you pray with me? Lord, I come to you today and thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. Lord, you took me in when I didn't think anyone would want me to be a part of their family, let alone the God of the universe. Open our hearts and minds to your word today and let it penetrate our souls. Lord, go before us this week. I know there are many people listening right now who could use your touch to heal them physically, emotionally, financially, and spiritually. I know, Lord, that you want only what's best for us. So restore us today, that we may walk away from here today and deepen our relationship with you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Now, today's message is entitled Leadership and Influence. Mike gives me these topics from time to time because my doctorate is in organizational leadership. So our big idea for the day, if you have your program, is those with power and influence should use it to leverage and sponsor others. And we'll get back to that in a little while. But I wanted to start today giving you some context about our story and really about the book of Kings. First and second Kings is the history of the kings of Israel and Judah through the lens of God's covenants. The thesis of the book of Kings is that the welfare of Israel and her kings depended on their obedience and their obligation as defined in Mosaic covenant. So what is Mosaic covenant? It's really just a covenant between God and Moses and comes from the book of Exodus. In its most simple form, it is that God set aside the people of Israel to be his chosen people. 
And if they followed the laws of Moses, they would be blessed. But if they disobeyed them, they would be punished. Not only do we see this play out in the book of Kings, but throughout the Bible and probably in our lives as well. The kings who received the most attention in 1st and 2nd Kings are those that throughout their reign, there were either, there was a notable deviation from or an affiliation to this covenant. There's a strong relationship between prophecy and fulfillment in the historical developments of this monarchy. The result of this emphasis is that the history of the kingdom is not presented in a chain of random chance occurrences, but rather as the unfolding of Israel's historical destiny under Israel's covenant with the Lord God. The author stresses the importance of the prophets themselves in their role as official emissaries from the court of Israel's covenant Lord, the great king to whom Israel and her king were bound in service through this covenant. The Lord sent a long succession of such prophets to call the kings and people back to this covenant loyalty. So what we see throughout the book of first and second book of Kings is that the kings who followed the advice of the prophets were rewarded and the kings who didn't heed their advice were punished. So keep that in mind as we go back to our story of Naaman today. But before we do, remember, we've been camped in these same verses for a couple of months now. See, Pastor Mike is skilled at unpacking scripture from different points of view and seeing how we can apply these different biblical principles to our lives. Think about the story of the prodigal son. You all remember that story. There's three main characters in that portion of scripture. Do you remember who they were? Well, there's the father, there's the prodigal son, and do you remember who the third one is? It's the older brother. Now, if you remember the story, the prodigal son realizes that this land of his father's fortune, the majority of it will go to who? In, by the day's custom. Do you remember? It goes to the eldest son. That's the custom of the day. So the younger, younger siblings really would be then subservient to this older sibling, and they would really play a minor role in the family business. Well, this son decided that he wanted to take his portion and go off on his own. So if you remember the story, the younger son goes off, he invests well, and becomes rich and famous, right? Is that the way the story goes? Mm, not so much, right? He squanders what he's given on fast living and good times. And of course, he runs out of money because we know that good times don't last forever. He takes on the job of a ranch hand, and his life just falls, around, falls apart around him. So much so that he finds himself eating out of a pig trough. Well, he thinks that even though his father may be disappointed in him, that I'll at least give him a job as a ranch hand, and at least he'll have a roof over his head and food to eat. So with his tail between his legs, he returns home. The father sees him from a distance. He runs to him, throws his arms around him in celebration and joy. And the father tells the older brother, to kill the fattened calf and prepare, prepare a feast because his lost son had come home. It was time to rejoice. Talk about restoration. Well, I think most of us as sinners can really relate to coming home to the Father, right? And accepting his grace and mercy. But aren't we also sometimes like the older brother in the story? Now, 
Was the older brother really happy that this younger brother had gone off, squandered all this money, and now was coming home to a hero's ce celebration? Yeah, not so much. Because see, this put a much bigger burden on the older brother. Not only did now he have to do his own work, but he had to do the work of the younger brother as well. So he was none too pleased with this younger brother who left him hanging out to dry and now was coming home to a hero's welcome. How unfair, right? So depending on where we are in our lives, we could relate to any one of these three protagonists in this story, couldn't we? We could be the son, as many as have, uh, of us have been, coming home to the father for restoration. Or we could be the older brother who's watched maybe a family member or a friend go through addiction or difficult times and who really needed restoration. Or we could be the father with the ability through mercy and grace to restore someone, to give them an opportunity at redemption as Jesus did for us. Amen? So if you have your Bibles now, turn in them or if you have them in digital form to the verses that we've been going over the last two months, to 2 Kings 5, 6. But before we do, I want to go over that big idea again. The big idea is, is those with power and influence should use it to leverage or sponsor others. Okay, 2 Kings 5, 1 through 6. Just read along with me. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, and he had but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of leprosy. So Naaman, as we now know, we've heard a couple times, is a commander in the army of the king of Aram. It doesn't tell us in the Bible, but we know from historical records, the name of the king was Ben-Hadad II. The Bible goes on to tell us in verse 1 that Naaman was a great man in the sight of his master, the king. That Naaman was highly regarded because through him, the Lord gave victory to Aram. Now, if we go back and we look at that battle, if we go back to 1 Kings chapter 22, it actually talks about that battle. We read that for three years there had been no war between Aram and Israel. But in that third year, King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went to the king of Israel to retake some of Aram's land. Now remember the theme from Kings is, Kings that listened to and obeyed prophets were rewarded, and kings that did not listen were punished. King Jehoshaphat had his prophet tell him that they, if they attacked, the king of Israel would be killed. So King Jehoshaphat came up with a plan to disguise the king of Israel. They went into battle, and he was killed anyway. So this is that battle that the king of Aram, Ben-Hadad II, is referring to that Naaman had given them victory because he was with the Lord in verse 1. 
The Bible then goes on to tell us that Naaman is a valiant soldier, but he has one flaw. Do you remember what it was? Leprosy. Leprosy, no big deal, right? A little skin problem. Go see the local dermatologist and get it taken care of. Well, as Pastor Mike had already told us, Naaman was a well-respected commander. He was revered by the king and all of his soldiers. He had the means to the best medical care available and to go to the finest doctors in the land. Now remember in these days, leprosy was a highly contagious disease. There were leper colonies that people actually went to because they couldn't be around other people because that would make them unclean. Talk about social distancing. In verse 2, the Bible tells us that a captive girl from Israel who served Naaman's wife says to her, If only my master could see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So remember from our intro today, the theme of the book of Kings is that kings who listened and followed the prophets were rewarded, and kings who didn't listen and follow the prophets were punished. So Naaman goes directly to his master, the king, and tells him what this servant girl from Israel had said. Naaman goes to the king and tells him that the slave girl suggested that he go to this prophet to get healed, and where this slave girl was from, Israel, Aram's enemy. Aram's answer in verse 5, by all means go, the king of Aram replied. Point number one, leaders who influence recognize others. Leaders who influence recognize others. So as we talked about in verse 1, though Naaman was a highly skilled commander, he had this one flaw, leprosy. And I'm sure the king knew that this could be a hindrance that could really set Naaman back. Now I'm sure the king had been along for the ride with Naaman and his wife, and he probably needed this miracle as much as Naaman and his wife. See, leprosy was seen as a curse or a punishment from God. Leprosy sufferers had to wear special clothing and they had to ring bells to let people know that they were coming and people would actually stay clear of them and go on the other side of the street. So many were shunned and stigmatized for this leprosy. So the king jumped on Naaman's suggestion. From his wife's slave girl, the king really showed a certain amount of faith to act so quickly on it, didn't he? The young slave girl who was aware of God's saving presence with his people through his servant, the prophet Elisha. So now let's think about this for a moment. Sending one of your most respected military commanders into enemy territory. Places though, while they were not still at war, there were still skirmishes that would break out from time to time along the borders. And Naaman was a valuable commodity. When you took over somebody else's land, you got the spoils and you got to carry off the riches from that. But you also had to leave behind men to occupy that land. Men to make sure that there wasn't an uprising to win the land back, as King Jehoshaphat had tried to do in Aram. I mean, I would imagine that most of these native peoples that had been conquered were not thrilled by taking, being taken over by outsiders, don't you think? So while conquering territory brought you immediate gain, the long-term occupation was expensive and required manpower. So there would be a need for more victories and more spoils to keep this cycle going. So while Naaman had brought this king riches and fame, there was also a need for more. So this king, King Ben-Hadad, could see that he needed to pour into Naaman. He was an other-focused 
and not a narcissistic-focused leader. He understood and appreciated Naaman's predicament. Good leaders surround themselves with good people who can do the job. Good leaders recognize others' accomplishments. When you look at a, a list of the top 10 reasons why people stay on their job, do you know where money or salary falls on that top 10 list? It's always at the bottom. It's eight, nine, or 10. The reasons why people stay on their jobs is because they feel that the work that they're doing is fulfilling. They believe that they, what they do has value and because of that, they are valued. I heard one time that people don't leave bad companies, they leave bad managers. So if you wanna be a leader who uses your power and influence, recognize others and treat others well. Point number two, leaders who influence appreciate others. Now cl clearly King Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, appreciated Naaman greatly. You can see this when Naaman gets the message from the slave girl and goes to the king to tell him what she had said. So Naaman clearly had some social capital with the king. He had access to the king. I mean, not just anyone could go and get an audience with the king whenever they wanted. And that's why today the president's chief of staff is so important. They determine who gets an audience with the president. Well, Naaman had direct access to the king of Aram. And I'm sure Naaman had had many meetings with the king, going over military plans and troop movements. But I'm sure they had started a working relationship that probably built into a friendship over time. I mean, Naaman probably had the king's cell number, don't you think? Leaders who influence appreciate and connect with them relationally. They get to know them and their families and what makes them tick. Good leaders know that if people aren't happy, that they don't perform well. I'm sure that King Ben-Hadad knew how much this skin disease was getting to Naaman and his wife. And I'm sure there was some fear about Naaman's future, what it would look like if they couldn't get it under control. Naaman needed his health restored and his hope. Influential leaders listen to the concerns and the needs of their trusted staff. Listening to people is one of the highest ways to extend respect and appreciation. Some of you may know that our superintendent, Fred Navarro, resigned about a month ago. And I've known Fred for many years. He hired me 19 years ago for my, my first administration position at Costa Mesa High School. And I think Fred's greatest quality as a leader was his ability to listen. I felt that I was always listened to. Now, did that mean that he did everything I wanted me to do all the time? No. But I always felt that my views would be listened to and weighed into any decision. And that shows respect for the people that you work with. And it will also get you information. One of the things that leaders need the most, especially from people out in the field. Because if you don't listen to people and reject their ideas continually, people will stop giving you information. And that's the kiss of death for any organization. King Bedhadad listened to and respected Naaman. Point number three. Leaders who influence proactively support others. In my business, I've been in my current position for going on my sixth year now, and I was a principal for 10 years before that. So I know some people in our district and throughout the world of education. So I have people come to me from time to time asking me for letters of recommendation. And it's with this opportunity that I have the ability to proactively support others. As we see in verse five, when Naaman tells Ben-Hadad his plan to this king, the king then says to Naaman, by all means go, 
The king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman, as the Bible tells us, is a great man in the sight of this king and is highly regarded because through Naaman the Lord had given him victory as we read about in 1 Kings. But he was a great and valiant commander that needed restoration. Even great and valiant leaders need to be recognized. They need to be appreciated and need support from time to time. You say, well, that's well and great, Kirk, but I'm not in a position of leadership in my work, so how can I help to restore someone? Well, it could be a coworker who's had a, a, midstep, a misstep of some type. It could be a family member or a friend or one of your children. And they really need one, somebody to step up for them, to stand in the gap as King Ben-Hadad did for Naaman in his area of weakness. Now, I remember one time one of my friends from high school who had had a checkered past and an addiction issue was trying to turn his life around. He applied for a job and used me as a reference. Well, his proposed, proposed employer called me and asked for my opinion. And this man had been clean and sober for all of about a month after about a 10-year period where his life was a complete mess. He had no job history to speak of over the past 10 years and many run-ins with law enforcement. So as a, ref as a reference, my reputation was on the line too as well, right? So here's what I told this potential employer. I've known this man for over 20 years. And while he's gone through some difficult times, he's working really hard to turn his life around. He's given his life to Jesus and I see him beginning to bear fruit in his life. Now I can't guarantee you that he won't relapse and you might have to let him go and hire somebody else. But you may be the lifeline that this man needs. You may be the most important cog, cog in helping turn this man's life around. You see, sometimes we need to be the advocate that others need to help them restore their lives. So how'd this turn out for my friend? Well, this employer was a Christian, and when I told him that my friend had given his life to Jesus, that was enough for him. So he hired my friend, and he's now been clean and sober for over 20 years. Glory goes to God, amen? You see, I understand the healing touch and the restoration of Jesus on my life. For while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. I love the line that I heard from Beto last week. The beauty of grace makes life not fair. Luckily, Jesus gave me what he wanted me to have instead of what I truly deserved. Jesus recognized something in me. He appreciated something in me, and he proactively supported me. So who is it in your circle of influence that could use your help to restore them with the help of Jesus? Think about that, and we'll come back to it. We see in verse 5, not only did Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, send a letter, but he also sent silver, gold, and ten sets of clothing. The king of Aram wanted to get on the good side of the king of Israel for Naaman's sake. In verse 6 it says, The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Now remember in the intro today, the major thesis in the book of the kings, the kings who followed the advice of the prophets continued to be rewarded, and the kings that did not heed their advice were punished. So when Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, heard that there was a prophet in Israel that could heal Naaman, he did everything in his power to use his power and influence to proactively support Naaman. 
And as we've learned in the book of Kings, that God uses influential, other-focused leaders to facilitate restoration. And I can't help but think back in, in Beto's message last week in How to Be Healed by God. Millie's story about leaning on God and knowing that God cares about even the littlest details of our lives, right? And how the story of leaning on God to find a missing necklace helped restore a woman's faith in God. So I want you to take a minute and think about that person in your inner circle that hopefully you were thinking about before that could use God's restoration and how you could come alongside that person as Millie did to recognize, appreciate, and proactively support that person to rebuild their rest and restore their reputation. So on the bottom of your page, just, just write their name at the bottom of your page. I'll give you a second. And now what I want you to do is I want you to pray for that person all week long, a prayer similar to this. Would you pray with me? Lord, you see the names of these people on our programs. Lord, use us this week to help restore these people. Let us use the power and influence that you have given us to recognize, appreciate, and proactively support them to rebuild and restore their reputations. Lord, when we tell someone that we are a Christian, it means something. Well, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It does mean that we should use the love that you have for us to restore those around us as you have restored us. Lord, I thank you in advance for the work you will do this week to restore your people. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Have a great week, and next week we'll be welcoming Pastor Mike back. Thank you for listening to the Palm Harvest podcast. We would love to get to know you. So download the Palm Harvest app for free and fill out our connection card. Your continued support helps us spread hope around the world. You can also give in our app and find out more about our community.